On today's show, I am joined by Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops and ATL on 29 to talk about all things Hawks here in the middle of the summer. We get into the draft and summer league, the state of the roster, and more. All of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1530 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you over the weekend here in late July. And I am joined on this podcast by my friend Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops and ATL 29 for part one of a two-part conversation. Also, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On right now to get started. And also, one more thing here, please, please, please make us your first listen each and every day and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast places like Apple and Spotify, YouTube, etc. As I mentioned a second ago, Glenn Willis is here talking about all things Hawks, some draft talk, some summer league talk, some prospect talk, and then some roster stuff at the end of this two-part conversation. Always fun to talk to Glenn, who is fantastic, as we talked about in a second, uh, once I bring Glenn in. Uh, the player capsule series that we did is a fantastic listen across the entire Hawks roster, and that Glenn is one of the best in the business at covering the Atlanta Hawks. All right, with all of that out of the way here in late July, we'll be diving in with Glenn right now. I am joined now by my friend Glenn Willis of ATL and 29 and Peachtree Hoops and all kinds of places on the internet. Glenn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Uh, I will say at the top of the show, our player capsule series is very relevant still. I, ha- I had someone find them for the first time, sent me a nice note on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago saying, hey, these are awesome this is as a resource. And I said, actually, they are pretty good. I mean, I, I think that they're very useful for Hawks fans that may have missed even any of them. And uh, with the exception of John Collins, everybody that we talked about is still on the roster. So it's very, uh, very replicable. And uh, I try not to bug you after that. So long story short, Glenn and I did a bunch of shows for a while, and then we've not talked in this form in like almost six weeks. And it was on purpose, Glenn, because you gave me a lot of time, and I appreciate you coming back and doing more. And we had our chance to catch up in Vegas during summer league, so that was that was that was uh, you know between you and me, and not the whole world in that case, you know. And that was, <laughs> yes. It was good to see you, and that was fun and stuff like that. It's funny right now. It's like, what's the NBA? I haven't even looked at like a, a hoops rumor, like like update for like a week and a half so if you ask me about something that's like like surfaced across the league in the last like week and a half i i'm taking a break uh so i don't know what any of that stuff is i also have to apologize if you're watching on youtube i don't know why the light is coming out but uh it's fine it's a it's a it's a a low budget podcast glenn it's all it's like it's all about the actual content not not the same place i've recorded like the last you know so i don't know what's it, it is what it is. I'll, I'll take the blame for that. But no. Uh, and uh, as someone pointed out to me this week, we we do still owe the listeners a Trey Young player capsule, and we've not forgotten. It was purposeful to wait on that one because we were very sure Trey was not going to be traded, and that gives us some content, perhaps in the in the actual doldrums, which we're almost there now. We're basically there now. I'll say uh, to what you were just saying about the lack of you know checking the rumors and all that stuff. There isn't really anything happening in the league at this moment. It doesn't mean that there can't be things that do happen. There's still the, the pending trade requests of Lillard and Harden, for instance. The Pascal Siakam thing is still out there as an ever-present talking point. But other than that, it's it's pretty quiet. So uh, 
I, uh, as long as I can twist Glenn's arm, we will do a Trey Tra Young breakdown at some point, probably in the next month or so. But there's no there's no hurry because Trey Young is still on the team, so we're fine. I, I yeah, he is, and it, it's you and I laugh when we say this because it's like, what new thing is there to say about <laughs> Trey? How can we like like offer new thoughts and observations on Trey? Yeah, I I'm sure like once we get into it, we'll talk for like an hour and a half. Yep. You know, but but like just just thinking about like what what is that conversation going to be like? It's it's hard to know where would it even start. You know, <laughs> you, you and I will find a way to do an hour if nothing else, because uh, that's what happens when we talk. But yeah, that's all that said. Uh, we're kind of just doing a sort of a midsummer catch up episode here. Um, Glenn and I having not talked in a while, at least in this form. And you know, I, I've seen some complaints from Hawks fans about it not being super busy this summer. And I get it. You know, everybody wants transactions and fun stuff to talk about. I will say, though, like, it's not been a boring summer. I mean, they, they did make a, a real trade, the Collins trade. They've made a couple of, like, peripheral trades. Um, you know, Wes Matthews is not exciting, but they did sign someone who, who, could, who might play for them this year. They made three draft picks in the top 46. They had a summer league roster that had six or seven guys on it. Like, it wasn't a super boring summer like i I've, i'll say i've covered much more boring summers than this one uh so we have stuff to talk about i guess we could go back to um, i think you and i've kind of covered the collins ground but uh, unless you have thoughts on that we could probably dive into like the draft and see well, what you think yeah. about that <laughs> well, just, just first on like trades or no trades i mean first of all i think half the fan base thinks they're just waiting on out the clock on the buffkin buffkin being eligible i who knows yeah. if that's true or not but i mean I, I, it's not even really worth getting into now because we'll if it's true, I guess we'll find out. On a few we'll find days. out in a few days. Yep. I don't. I think that's unlikely. But but here's the thing, right? It, it being boring. The inverse of that probably is them making bad trades. <laughs> so so I mean, it's like if you're if like if you're, what you're rooting for is activity, it's like oh, some of the fans wish they'd get off of Hunter, right? And 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 they're all the rumors suggest they at least explored that to some degree at, yep. around the draft, all that sort of stuff. But like, do you want to take back a bad contract? Do you want to attach a draft asset to him to, to do that? Because the Hawks could would have opportunities to do that. I'm sure of it, right? And so the lack of activity, if that's a thing, is likely to me tied to this front office taking their time, not jumping in and doing something just to do something, not jumping in and and, and uh, you know, making a, a RAS decision. In my mind, the best thing this front office has done in the post-Travis era is just not making a bad – I don't think they've made a bad move. I mean, we could talk about the JC thing being a, a tough result of a mismanaged process that, you know, for a long, long time. Um, but they, they, they haven't kind of gone out and been like, oh, we feel like we need to do something, so let's just kind of take what's available. So – I, th I think this is good, and I think if there were more activity, it would likely be of the type the Hawks fans would not be happy with. That's my view. Yeah, no, I tend to agree, and, you know, you and I have talked about Collins so much, but I, you know, the fact that they haven't made a bad transaction, I agree, despite not liking the end result with John Collins. Like, I don't, yep. I don't like trading a guy who I think is good for nothing. But that was a that was an issue of what you did before, not what you've done now. Like that, by the time you got to the summer, everyone kind of knew the deal. Like they were they were probably going to trade him, and if they did, they weren't going to get much back of anything. And that's what happened. So that's that's more of a past issue than a than a present one. So I agree with you on all of that. 
And, you know, they, they went out and kind of proactively acquired a, a, a second of three draft picks and they did little things like, you know, we could talk about this later when we talk about the roster, but like Wes Matthews for the minimum is a good signing. Like that's, that's, it's not a sexy signing, but it's one that like a good team makes. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of comparisons to like Justin holiday with Wes Matthews. And the difference there is that you traded Kevin Herter for Justin holiday, who was making $7 million and you signed Wes Matthews for the minimum with no opportunity costs. And like, it's, it's different. So anyway, we'll get into that later on, but I want to set the table a little bit because like, not huge transactions, but I know you watch things as close as anybody when it comes to the young guys in summer league. And it's been a little while now. We've had a couple of weeks to kind of decompress. I actually watched a little bit of film this week, just kind of fresh on purpose of summer league. Not not going crazy because it's still summer league. You don't want to overreact to that, which I always stress. But having, especially having been there, like it's and you were there too, it's different being there especially with me and like dealing with media stuff and people all around and like i can't just always sit there and watch the way i always want to but i wonder what you think of how the cycle went really overall this summer i mean i know you did draft prep too like so you had probably thoughts on these guys before the draft and then summer league and uh, i guess broadly speaking like what did you make of the young guys because obviously they have some they have some returners as well but especially the rookies Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. Take your first swing at betting MLB at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets of $200. That's right, 20 bucks in betting can land you $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel has great promotions each and every day, and they get paid. you also get paid instantly when you happen to win. The app is safe and secure, and they have all kinds of betting angles across the board you might want to dive into. They cover the whole range of sports. That includes MLB, NBA, WNBA, NFL, college football, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, and much more. And their different wagering options as well at FanDuel from live betting to futures to player props, point spreads, totals, money lines, etc. And there's no better place in the world to bet all the basketball and baseball action you're looking for than America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today at fan, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get up to $200 in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. I mean, I thought this was the most fun Hawk Summer League team in a long time. I mean, maybe since they've been doing Summer League for real. I mean, I, I can't really kind of go back to think. I mean, it's Trey's first – Trey Summer League was a lot of fun. Tra- yeah, know, it, tra- the, well, it, it also had all the controversy. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, that, that was a lot of fun. But just in terms of – like, I felt like we kind of knew what Trey was likely going to kind of show us in summer league. And when he, in a few games exceeded that, like really took over, that was, that was really fun viewing. And I I was that, I think you remember, I was there for the whole duration of the whole summer league that time. And then, you know, in this case, my my job situation is a little different. got the long weekend, thankfully and stuff, but you you know, for me, it's like watching, you know, Buffkin was fun, you know, and getting to hear from him for, you know, a couple of minutes, you know, after the game was was interesting just to get a feel for, like, you know, what he, uh, the way he conveys his thoughts and, and things like that. But for me, I mean, I guess starting, starting with Buffkin, I thought the draft process was, was good. Um, I mean, I think everyone was like, what's going on with Cam Whitmore? You know, I think they're all fans of every team. And I watched Cam Whitmore play, you know, I think three times, you know, while I was there and looks like a great situation for, for the Rockets, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, but I, you know, I think, I think we talked about this. I think Buffkin, when you and I did our player capsules, even before that, I think we did one where we just kind of looked at the season ending and 
kind of what do we think about kind of looking ahead into the offseason was, man, they need a third guard. And I don't I don't think Bufkin's really going to give them enough of what they need his rookie year there. Yeah. But I, th- I think he really kind of fits the versatility uh, and all of that. So I think the draft process was was really good. I love they just threw him into the point guard role, and I love the way he managed it. It was pretty rough in the beginning, and it never got like to the point where you're like, "Wow, he's one of the best." You know, twelve. He's playing like one of the best twelve to fifteen players here. And you know, when you're drafted in the top fifteen, I think a lot of people just think you should be one of the you know in that kind of range. But it was a really challenging role for him, and it went really. It was pretty rough the first couple games, and. And, and some adversity kept showing up in every game, and he just kept going at it. And he just kept going at it and kept going at it. And that, to me, was what I love. We could talk about he saw the whole floor. He saw the passes that were there. He struggled a little bit when they weren't diving the big man to the rim in the, in the middle pick and roll. Once they started doing that a little bit in the latter two games, that opened up a little bit more of his game. But it was really more of him attacking the challenge that his coaching staff gave him and not letting adversity cause him to back off for a single possession. And that to me says a lot about what we can expect from him long-term. He's, you know, it's been well chronicled. He, you know, he needs more strength and technique on defense to, to manage the physicality aspect of what he's going to deal with, especially if he's defending on ball, screen, countering screens, working across screens, all that sort of stuff. But I, I believe that he'll attack that challenge with the same mindset that he showed us kind of working through the adversity on offense. So I came away just super impressed. I, I commented on the Hollinger piece on how he was one of the, like maybe the worst first round draft pick. I'm like, you know, and and he, and he can, John Hollinger can put out, he has enough standing to, to have credibility with things he puts out there. And I wouldn't just kind of shove it aside. I just think it's hard to watch all the teams play and come back with nuanced takes. If you ask me, like, Glenn, what did you think of these four guys on the net summer league team? Like, I caught yeah. them twice, but I don't think I'm the right person to say this is how their whole summer league went, you know. And so I think it's just kind of a factor of that. But I, I love what I saw from Buffkin kind of starting there. And I think he's going to attack his opportunity in the league with – really impressive kind of mental focus and just working through adversity. And that's the way for young guys to oftentimes make progress sooner than later and kind of find their way into some, uh, some opportunity to play maybe, maybe than they otherwise would with them without mentality. I think we agree on, on Buckley in general. And, and, you know, I saw the same thing that you did about Hollinger. And um, I, I think if you look at just his efficiency numbers, like the shooting numbers, they were terrible. And that's, I think that if that's, if that's as far as you go. And I know John, I saw John there. I know he was watching. He's not, he's not a guy that just mails it in. Like he's watching, yeah. but I think that's probably what it was probably heavily based on the evaluation. Cause I think you and I are following closely enough. And that's one of the things that you get about a local, you know, a local reporter basically is like, you know, I'm watching every single thing and talking to the coaches and like talking and, Antonio Lang, and look, I, I got some feedback like from fans that were being negative about it. Like, what's he going to say? I'm like, okay, well, I understand that they're not going to go out there and kill their first round pick in the media, but off even even you know off mic and off back, like everyone before they even got there was like, look, they're we're going to play him at point guard, and that's not what he's ever done. And they explain, and you can pass that aside, but to be doing that for the first time basically in your life at 
as a professional, when you are 19 years old and you have, like you just said, like some physical limitations as like, you know, strength wise and to do all those things. And like, they threw a lot at him and they said that a lot. And I think that that, um, like he had some low lights for sure. He didn't play great the whole week, but, um, the big thing that I heard and that you've said, and I think Tower said on the recent episode, like he just kept going, like he just kept getting up and doing it again. And even defensively, I think he got a lot better as the week went along. Yeah. I think you started yeah. to see him process things and like using his body more effectively. The first game was probably, I, th- I thought his worst game defensively. He was getting bullied in a way that was kind of obvious and wasn't surprising. He is so skinny at this point, but like he was figuring it out as the week went along. And, you know, he had the one big, the one big crunch time when he made, you know, four or five plays in a row to kind of win them a game. And that was, that was a cool thing. But, you know, I talked to him, you talked to him at the end of the week too. And he's, you know, he's just a pretty level headed guy for being 19 and, I, you know, have pretty decent intel around Michigan because that's that's one of the advantages. I haven't known some people to cover that team. So I had Dylan Burker, Dylan Burker on my podcast, and everybody seems to like the kid. Like he's very, um, he's he's a funny guy. Like he's he's a good personality, but he's also not an up and down. He's pretty low. He's pretty even keel, which I think you need, especially as a guard doing stuff that's different. And uh, I think we saw that. Like, and everybody credited him. I, I think it, it became kind of a funny thing as I, I shared some audio on my podcast of Lang talking about his upbringing like multiple times in multiple post games and they're like why does he keep talking about that i'm like because that's that's the way guys these people are real they're they're actually humans like i know we always forget that sometimes like these guys are human and also he just got there so like antonio lang's coaching him he's he met him two weeks ago you know what i mean like it's, it's all very very new and summer league for rookies is just one big throw in the deep end of the pool i thought through that lens if you watched everything and saw the progression like I get why you might pile on if you were nationally looking at his shooting numbers and all that stuff. But I thought he was the way that I kept saying it was like my opinion overall hasn't changed, which and my opinion was pretty high in the first place. Like, again, he did. He wasn't perfect. But as far as like seeing what you wanted to see, considering all the factors, I thought it was a pretty good showing overall. Yeah, you could tell when you talk to anyone with the team that the, it, that you can tell when you're getting sort of like, oh, we're. We're prettying up a ton of situation, right? Yes, but you could tell that they were they were thrilled with how yeah. it went for him and the shooting. It's like, I mean, did he ever do this in Michigan? But you could tell they were telling him if if your guy goes under, you're shooting it. And I don't care if you oh. missed your last seven. You know, yeah. you, that that is the right read, and we want you to buy into the process and to make that happen. And I love that he just kept shooting it. And you know, that last game they played, him setting up that game winner. I thought he showed a lot of good processing on that possession. And uh, which was which, which was which was great growth across the games that he played. So you know, I, I I'm I'm really excited for him. You know, as presuming he is going to be on this on, on the roster kind of going forward, he should be in my mind. He's he's a perfect guy to kind of grow into playing with Trey and Dejounte. You know, for me, uh, in my view. So and you know, and you can see like in even he didn't you know in college you don't often run a ton of pick and roll, right? I mean, not not many teams do that but they ran middle 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 pick and roll after pick and roll and he, he, his reads were better every game they're pretty that was the one aspect of his first team was pretty good yeah so you can kind of see but it, that even still got his decisiveness and uh, kind of attacking the read right away so we could kind of talk too long about him but i i think i think That's he's okay. right where i think he's right where you want him to be right now and i think he showed a lot that makes you feel like he's going to be fine yeah, I have one more thing about Bufkin because, you know, he's a fresh round pick. We, we can talk about him for a while. It's fine. That was something I was going to ask you that I had written down because I feel like a lot of the reaction, and again, I'm not trying to focus on just fans being fans. That's, that is what it is. But um, I think a lot of it is like it's not the cleanest sell 
You know what I mean? Like you and I kind of understand the theory of Kobe Bufkin as a draft pick. Um, and look, it's crucially, he wasn't a top five pick. He's the 15th pick in the draft. That's important to realize and to manage expectations around what that draft slot actually means. Like, yes, you occasionally you'll find a Giannis or a Kawhi in that spot. I get it. You can't bank on that ever. And if you're, if you, if you get a rotation guy at that spot, that's a success. You don't even have to have a high end starter. Like if you get a, if you get a seventh man at that spot, that's a pretty good draft pick. But anyway, it's like, when you try to explain the theory to someone, it's like, okay, well, I think his best path, his his most realistic path, maybe is maybe third guard. And if and if you say that to someone, they look at you like, wait, he's a first round pick. Why would you use a first round pick on a third guard? And it's like, well, number one, again, not a not a top five pick. And number two, like this team in particular, with what they have and the investment in Trey and Dejounte, they need a third guard really badly. And it's a flexibility thing too, like the fact that he can do. They want him to anyway be able to play the one eventually, which we saw in summer league. It's why it's part of why they did that, and also play the two and do kind of just checking a lot of different boxes. And I think I want to know what you like if you've had any trouble with when conversations about this with people, with fans or whoever is like. I feel like it's almost like it's a it's a challenge to message what his ultimate role is going to be because you, you mean we we agree most rookies are not I mean going to help a good team. It, it is what it is. I, I always say that you know. Everyone always ignores it. And then in March, they're like, hey, you're probably right about that. And it's fine. Like, it's not sexy. You, you want to have your rookie do these things. But I think even long term, it's like, okay, it's hard to explain to someone that, like, if he becomes a really good third guard, that's a really good outcome for that right. draft pick. Yeah. And then, is that, is it, am I making sense? I feel like it's like, it's, it's almost, it's, it's a challenge with messaging because let's just say they draft Ken Whitmore, right? It's a lot easier to see the value of Cam Whitmore, the long-term potential value of someone like that, or even like Grady Dick or someone like that, Jed Howard. Like, hey, this guy's going to be a shooter. Like, it's an easy sell to be like, this is this guy has this one skill, or Cam Whitmore is like the super athlete. Bucket doesn't really have that one selling point. It's just like, hey, he's pretty good at everything. <laughs> it's tough for me. I don't know. And 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 versatility is super valuable, but it but is. it is it is harder to get fans excited about you know, them not be able to see the one thing that really jumps out at you like a shooter does or like a, a defender does, you know, a wing defender does or something like that. So, but I mean, I mean, I, fans will, you know, probably maybe not believe me, but even in the five to 10 range, if what you get is like a, a guy who is a sixth or seventh guy, on, who ends up being a sixth or seventh guy on a really good, on a good team, team. Yeah. that is a good outcome. Go look, just go look at like, just go to basketball reference and look at 10 years just whatever yeah. 10 years of 6 through 10, 6 through 10, 6 through 10, and just notice, like, how many of those guys became all-stars. You will be surprised at how few there are. Even as high – I mean, this is a whole different uh, rabbit hole, but I, I've done this bit for years, and people always get mad at me about Marvin Williams. And obviously, they should have drafted Chris Paul. I'm not going to – or Darren Williams, whatever. But if you look at, like, the media – Hall of Famer. That's controversial to say. Right. But. If you look at the median outcome of even top three picks, like number one overall is, is a different category because like that's star more often than not, honestly. Because but that's the only thought that's like that. Anything beyond number one, if you get a a ten year a ten year rotation slash starter at any even number two, that's like in the middle of outcomes at that spot, which is crazy, but it's true. So if you go down if you go down to fifteen, and yeah, like okay, recent examples from the Hawks. Yeah, they hit they hit like triples on John Collins and Kevin Herter at 19 overall. 
Those are really, really, really good picks. And maybe AJ, maybe AJ. And maybe AJ's the same thing. Maybe Jalen's the same thing. And I think that there's a little bit of a spoil factor there because the Hawks have really, they've hit, it seems like they've hit on every single one of those mid-round mid picks for five years because Collins was, was an objective hit, Herter objective hit, and we think AJ and Jalen are on the path to do that. So if you hit on four in a row in that range, yeah. it also tends to raise expectations. Right. And yeah, anyway, I, I, it's just an interesting talking point. And I feel like it's, it's because of who he is and who they already have. And it's it's kind of hard to sell, like, hey, especially with Dejounte now signed long term, it's like, you know, three years from now, he still probably isn't starting for you. If everything if everything goes according to plan, let's say the Hawks start winning fifty games a season, and it's Trey and Dejounte, and Buffkin works out for you, but he's your third guard, and it's like, you and I agree that's a really good outcome, yeah. but. I don't think everybody is going to agree with us on that. Like, it's like, what? but he's not starting. And, you know, I hate starting lineups. I just think it doesn't matter that much. But it's just an interesting conversation that I think we might be having for a while. And I, I think if it works out, we'll probably have it even for five years just because, hey, it's like, you know, what is he actually and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it, <laughs> the 10-year the starter from a second or third overall pick, especially if that guy is on good teams – you know, contributing the playoffs, giving, you know, solidifying what his team needs. That's a good outcome. So it's, you know, it, fans want upside. I get that. That's normal. Every fan base wants that. But it doesn't mean that not getting upside at every first round draft pick is a bad outcome. You know, yes. you, need, you, need, you need connective players, you need supporting players, you need. Guys that just bring solid play on both ends and kind of keep everything running and moving and, and all that sort of stuff. Those guys are really, really viable in the league. And the teams that aren't good when they even when they get kind of the top of their roster right, often what's wrong is spots four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You don't have enough guys that can do all of those things to kind of keep everything else connected. And that, and that that's that's a that's a good outcome. So we agree. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he actually has a little upside. You know, the Cam Whitmore, if Cam Whitmore blows up, it's gonna look, it's gonna look bad in years, and people are gonna forget but that he not had. Just for the Hawks, not just for yeah. the Hawks. No, I was gonna say the same thing. Like, people are gonna forget that there were reasons he fell, and you can agree or disagree. And like, look, I had, I had Whitmore a lot higher than the bucket on my board. Like, and I get it, but like, we even as I have some sources, and like, we don't know all the medical stuff. I'll never see, I'll never see Cam Whitmore's medical in my life. Never gonna happen. So anyway. Um, so beyond Bufkin, uh, obviously there was a lot of talk about the other guys too. I mean, Tyrese has already been waived. Um, Muhammad Gay and Seth Lundy are the draft picks. Miles Norris. Uh, we don't have to go as deep on those guys, obviously, but I wonder what you thought of, especially Gay and Lundy, because they were the draft picks. And you know, get, there's a lot of hype about Gay, especially early on in the week. It kind of cool as the week went along. Um, Lundy, I talked to a lot, and I thought he was pretty good overall. But I want to know what you what you made of those guys too. Uh, I mean, so from the from the first game. Gay impressed me with just like I couldn't believe like how how much he demonstrated he knows how to play. I mean, I was I was shocked, right? And I and I saw him I think six and six times live in college play, and it was just a different thing. It was almost like he was waiting for this NBA environment, you know, <laughs> this quasi NBA environment to kind of really kind of show what he can do. Uh, it, when the ball found him, he knew exactly what to look for. 
he made a decision. He went. He shot the ball when that was the right read. And he tucked the closeout defender when that was the right read. And I was just I was surprised at that. Further, when he was screening, he really he could read right away. Like, like oh, my defender's going to switch. And when that happened, he he cleared away from the ball handler, took that second defender away from them in, with urgency, and created a real opportunity right out of that screen for the ball handler to kind of do what he was going to do. All of that stuff like just jumped out at me. So that's fantastic. That's a great starting point for him, especially considering he was drafted, you know, in the higher part of the second round. If you think he could be one of those guys that makes you think in say eight years from now. Oh my God! I can't believe they got him in the second round. Like he becomes a borderline all star. Like it all comes together, right? But it's interesting because with a little bit of distance from having seen him, you have a little time to kind of rework your own kind of perspective. <laughs> and what we didn't see, apart from a few, maybe five, six plays, which is a good number for a, a rookie, but like he didn't consistently play with force, right? Yeah. And if he's going to get to that level where he's like one of their three best players on a really good team, which is not completely crazy to hope for. I'm not saying expect, but hope for. Yeah, It's bringing that body along and being able to play a force. But the mental processing was way better than I expected. The shot, he really looks like he believes in that shot. His shot preparation is good, all that sort of stuff. The the difference between him being like a guy who's going to be, you know, maybe your first forward off the bench, you know, on a good team and, and have something really to offer there, that would be a good outcome, but him moving up to being like a starting four, uh, you know, and I don't know whatever mold a Siakam mold, you know, a guy with a motor that can kind of really challenge defend other defenders at the four and things like that. It, it's for playing with force, and that's going to take a few years to see if that's something he can bring along. And he's got to get stronger too. Yeah, I mean, he has a pretty. He, he was stronger than I expected, but he still needs to you know, just you know continue growing as a young man and kind of getting stronger. But that, to me, that's the fork in the road between. I think he's going to be a nice player. I, I'm, yeah. I bought into that being a likely outcome, being a nice, helpful, good player. Can he play with force? That's going to be what decides, like how, how, what that ceiling, the actual ceiling outcome is. For me. Yeah, and I think that um, poking around with people at Washington State, it was a little bit of that. Like, he, he has a tendency to, to float a little bit. I think to your point about like not playing with force. Um, I wonder if that's, you know, he got to the game late. Obviously, he is very skinny right now compared to a lot of people that are playing. The stand. I mean, uh, I know you and I kind of laughed about the, the notion that he was going to, I mean, people just assume he was going to be a center immediately. It's like, no, he's he's not going to be a center. Um, and to the Hawks' credit, they have referred to him exclusively as a forward since the moment they drafted him. So they're not thinking he's probably ever going to. And look, he might play some, some center two or three years from now. That's not out of the question. He has with, with that, when you have that kind of length, you might be able to do that at some point, but as far as like primarily, um, but yeah, and, and they were saying, I mean, he said it too. And the coaching staff, they were trying to get him to be more aggressive. That was like the message to, especially him, like to a lot of guys, Buffett included, but really to Muhammad Gay, like they were very much intentionally like, Hey, let it fly as a shooter, attack the rim. Like they wanted him to be really kind of more and more aggressive. And he didn't, you know, he, he saw a little bit of that, but not, I mean, I think his usage was very low, actually. I think it, he was only taking set, like six or seven shots a game, and um, it's fine. And he, and he wasn't, and he wasn't forcing anything. No, and that's that was, was, they was, they was, they was one of them. Fantastic. Too. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. but but I mean, but in the they were trying to get let Kobe run the offense. Yep. And to me, Gay was doing exactly what he needed to do to kind of give Kobe that space. 
Yep. And and I, I and I think Gay thinks he can do a lot more. He can, you know, yeah. right? But he, but he, he, bought, in, he bought into what he was asked to do, and he fit into that. And that to me, that is a really really good outcome too. Yeah, I've joked that he thinks he's Kevin Durant. I think um, I'm, I'm kidding a little bit about that, but uh, he's he's a competent kid, and that's good. I mean, you want like, look, everybody almost almost without fail. If you get to this level, you have a certain level of confidence in yourself. It, you you have to, um, and I think the the fact that he, to your point just now, didn't overdo it because like it's good that they were trying to get him to be more aggressive, and that means he wasn't taking bad shots. He wasn't doing silly stuff, trying to show off his his bag or whatever you want to say it is, and. Um, and yeah, I think working on the little things would be interesting for him. I think that he is far away. I mean, Bufkin is too, but I think Gay even more so. Like, I think he'll be in College Park a lot this year, and that's and that's fine. It's, it's a second round pick on a good team, and they signed him to the, to the four year deal, which it, it was good timing that the Hawks that the, that new exception exists now, where you could just kind of add that guy into a four year deal with a team option on the end, and if it pops. That's the deal you want him on. I mean, if it works, that's a great contract. And if it doesn't, it doesn't cost you really much of anything. You move on and it is what it is. And I just think it's a it's an interesting bet. And I think there are different outcomes. You mentioned uh, probably the I think the most likely positive outcome is that he just becomes a rotation guy for you. Like that would be awesome. I know there's there are visions of grandeur because of the tools he has. And I, I, that's, that, that's, there's a non-zero chance he becomes really, really, really good, like starter, really good player. I think more practically, you're hoping that he becomes a nice rotational guy for you in the front court. And that would be, by the way, a triple of an outcome. Uh, if, if, if you want to say a starter would be, would be a home run or a grand slam, like getting a rotation guy at 39, the Hawks haven't had, I mean, I say this all the time, the Hawks have not had a rotation guy from a second round pick in 10 years. It's been yeah. 10 years. Mike Muscala is the last one that played a rotation role for the Hawks as a second round pick. So the odds are not always in your favor there, but um, I think the tools are pretty evident. And I think he already, to your point, I think he's further ahead than I thought he was too. backing you up watching the film. Watch this day, I didn't see him as much on, as you did, but I think that I was expecting him to be even more raw than he was. And that, that's a good sign that he's another kind of half step ahead of that. Yeah. And, and before listeners or fans, I- Brad, don't limit him. Like, don't understand. Like, I'm not. I'm not. Brad, Brad is not saying he can't become, like, really good. Yeah, he can. What, what we're saying is that if he becomes a really good rotational player, again, that's not a bad outcome. That'd be an so, all-star. So, no, so don't set yourself up like, oh, he has to be an all-star, or I'm disappointed. That's crazy. Right? No, it, it, it was so, – It was. I'm not picking on anybody. And, look, Summer League is also supposed to be fun. You're, spo- you're supposed to have crazy takes. It's part yeah. of the fun of Summer League. And it goes against my overall oeuvre, but like it is supposed to be that. But that 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 first game, people are talking about him starting this year, and I was like, guys, we have you've lost your mind. Like, but it's also supposed to be fun. It's fun, so I get it. Yeah. So you, you clearly use the word oeuvre just to impress me. Yes. So. No, I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not limiting Muhammad because look. I, the fact that I would even acknowledge a second round pick, there is a pathway for him to be a starter in the NBA. And a lot of second round picks don't even have a path that I can see. I can see it with Muhammad Gay. The tools are there for him to be like a really, really, really good player. I just think it's more likely and more practical to view him as like, hey, if he's a rotation guy in two years, that would be awesome. Um, whatever, whatever the word is beyond awesome is anything beyond that. But like, as well as sort of a less sexy package. Right. To where you're probably aiming for a little bit lower, but almost an easier sell because, like, going back to the even thing about Bufkin, Lundy's sell is even easier than Bufkin's is. Like, as far as like 
okay, I'm going to tell you exactly what this guy's going to do in the NBA if it works. It's going to be 3 and D wing. He's going to play a little defense. He's going to shoot threes. And it's not super sexy. He's already 23 years old or whatever it is. But like the sell on Lundy is almost easier than everybody else because it's just, here's your box, Seth. And literally he said to me, I know my role basically is to shoot. That's not an exact quote, but he literally said that like unprompted to me. He's like, that's my role is to shoot. I'm like, you're right, Seth. (laughs) All right, that is it for part one of two with myself and Glenn Willis. If you would please check us out for part two and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify, YouTube. The second part of this podcast should be available right now. So go on over and subscribe slash download and listen and view that podcast. Please follow us on Twitter slash X at Lawton Hawks. Also follow my personal account there at BT Roland. I appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast as always. And we'll see you all next time.